did you find ways to make money from home? Because I know that there's some moms out there that heard that part of the story and was like, wait, how did she do that? And with five kids, <laughs> like, I really want to find a way to make money from home, homeschooling or what have you. What would you tell them to do? I think it starts with your gift, the things that you're naturally just good at um, and monetize it. Yeah. And oftentimes when and, and, and sometimes you don't have to in intentionally because I would say this I didn't intentionally monetize it but it got monetized if that makes sense <laughs> so I kind of stumbled on that secret but that's how God works you know that's where that faith comes in so uh I used to do resumes for people um I would help them like I would you know somebody oh I'm looking for a job and I'm trying to get this job so you know a lot of people are just not good with documenting their own success or, you know, writing it in a way that's compelling where people want to hire you. Yeah. Um, some people get a resume and they say, oh, yeah, I was a cashier. I did, um, you know, I did some customer service, you know, that kind of thing. That's that's not the type of resumes I write. I write resumes that help bring value. Like, how did you contribute to assisting a customer and how did you impact their bottom line? You know, yeah. so instead of you saying I was a cashier, I assisted customers with decisions regarding food purchases. You know, <laughs> what is that? Cashier. <laughs> you know, um, so it's it's how things are worded. And then, you know, working through uh confidence, I would help people interview. I would somebody was like, Oh yeah, you know, I got a job, I got I need help, you know, interviewing for a job. And I would crack a joke. You know, so I'm calling them and they'll go like, uh, who's calling? I'll change my voice. You know, I'll go over the top proper with them and then just start asking questions. Hang up. You know, they wouldn't know it was me. And then I'll talk to them again. I was like, you did pretty good with that job interview, you know, or, hey, you need to work on this. or you need to work on that. Um, and then people were compelled and I would joke and like pay me on the back end, <laughs> you know, or don't forget about the little people. Um, oftentimes people want to sow in your life, especially believers who are just in a space where they just really want help to be, you know, somebody duplicate mm -hmm. what they do or help them out. Um, if you're talented and gifted with decorating and, and doing that kind of thing, do it. Even if you're working vicariously through your kids. Now, if you're having to search for what that is, the way that I help people discover that, I said, I want you to ask five key people in your life what do they think you're good at mm. make sure it's someone that that that's known you from you know when you were knee high to a grasshopper uh and you know like another close relative someone you may have worked with a neighbor and then ask those who you consider your holies of holies are really good friends and ask them to give you about three to five key things that if they had to describe you or if you were in an interview and you had to describe yourself, what would they say your qualities are? Okay. And that's impartation, right? That kind of gives you a different way. Oh, I haven't quite thought about myself that way. You know, and that's when the people who are really modest and just can't really think of what those things are. And then you ask them too, what do you think my my natural gift, what, what am I good at? You know, and people will tell you what they feel like you're good at. You know, people like, oh, Meg, I mean, I like the way you, you word stuff. Like, I wouldn't even know how to say that, you know. But I was like, really? 
yeah, you know, you're really good at how you you say stuff. Like you have a way with words. And I was like, wow, didn't know that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a way to kind of get that going if you can't just pull it out of your head mm-hmm. and then start praying about it. Um, one of the things that um, you don't want to pray and stay stuck. If you're serious, you know, the Bible say knocking you shall receive. I mean, knocking the door will open. Mm-hmm. If you're really serious, you want to pray. The purpose for prayer is when you hear yourself pray, you know, I say faith comes by hearing. Yes. You want to hear yourself pray. You don't want to be the person saying you're praying and just laying in the bed and not saying nothing. Right. Because you're not hearing anything. But when you you pray about what's my gift, what is it that you would have me to do right now? That kind of thing. So how did you get into the project management? Was that part of that when you were just kind of finding different things you could do to make money from home? Was that a part of that whole journey or? So I actually was a project manager before I got married and moved here. Okay. Um, When I was 19, um, telling my age, when I was was in college, um, I worked for a huge bank and in that role, what they did was they sort of, the company did a merger and they merged with a larger bank. When a larger bank took over from up north, they came down south to observe how we did job shadow, that kind of thing. And they're like, okay, you, 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 you get it. We're going to put you guys in a on-the-job management training program. Okay. And it was like an executive on-the-job MBA. Wow. I didn't know know how blessed I was at the time, right? In doing that, we were able to do breakthrough leadership. This gave me the ability to speak truth to power. Mm -hmm. I was taken behind the veil in meetings with execs going back and forth about how things were running. And then they stop and go, well, what you think? I learned then at 19 mm-hmm. that data, it, it runs the world. Without data, you don't have a business. I have so many people that come to me, oh, I want to sell my business. I want to sell my business. Oh, you have your customer list? You have your, you know, your customer information? No, because they run their business off social media. They don't know their customer's name, email address, birthday, physical address. What are you selling? Your 9,000 likes? Mm. That doesn't translate to money. So I learned data is what drives the world. When I was 19, you were doing this. I just had the pause here. Huh? I just had the pause here because that I'm listening to you saying this and there's not too many people who would take that kind of a chance on some 19, 20 year old kids. Like there are people who graduate from college and don't have anyone taking them under their wing and showing them what you're telling me. Like that's huge. That was, and even while I was in it, I didn't realize how impactful it was. Cause I was just, I was just in the, you know, I was just in the motion. I love the job. Um, and, and, and initially it was part-time and then they were at, I was a full-blown college student and they were like, we need you to do full-time. So I had to do four 10 hour days. So I worked Thursday through Sunday, no Wednesday through Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Wednesday through Saturday. I was very intentional about working on Fridays and Saturdays. 
Because had I not done that, I would have been hanging out or compelled to do other things with my other college friends. Yeah. Fridays and Saturday nights was the hangout night. Mm-hmm. But Thursday night was the hangout night because most people didn't have class on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> then they hang out all Friday. You hang out all Saturday. And most of us back then, we went to church on Sunday, mm-hmm. even if you hung out all night. <laughs> so <laughs> by me doing that, I was making money. I was learning phenomenal. When I say phenomenal, I mean, ph- I was like, oh, so this is why we do this, you know, mm-hmm. in, in terms of working. And then coupled with that, I had a college professor that was over the um, master's program. I'm not sure what was going on with the budget, but they did not have enough content for curriculum. He had just become the dean, had come over to that department. So there was a lot of uh content that needed to be put together for that. And I'm explaining what I do. And my professor, who, you know, their job is to help us get employable. I already got the job, right? Yeah. And so he was like, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to um to help. I need you to push F1. I need you to go to help. And I need you to print the the um the, the material that comes out. So because I was in a role that I was in, I was able to print whatever books, whatever we needed, because we it was part of us doing the research. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to just be getting a whole bunch of information. Like, what's the form? Like, how do college, you know, how does college graduates do research? Like, I wanted to know what I was missing, right? Yeah. And that became the curriculum <laughs> for the computer science department. Oh. Cool. Let me tell you how life-changing that was. I mean, now in hindsight, I connect all the dots. While I was going through it, I didn't know. <laughs> Think about students that's in college right now. They don't learn real world. They learn real world stuff, mm-hmm. but they're not pretty much the programming and stuff is a little bit outdated. Yeah. It's like a year, two, three, four years behind. Yeah. Because it has to happen first. Then, you know, there's programs about it and stuff and you got to go through the approval. Well, when not supposed to do this, but by me doing it, the students were learning real world call center um, management, how to configure those systems that was doing auto dialing. Um, we were learning artificial intelligence, you know, and I had a friend who was working on her Ph.D. and I was typing her thesis. So I'm learning about artificial intelligence, coupling that with what I'm getting from the system that we had just implemented. I built out a call center because we went from you know, people who needed help with working the system, mm-hmm. going walking over the going walking over to Rodney, the guy that was Rodney, walking over to Rodney, go, Rodney, hey, this is not working. Rodney, help me with this. Rodney, help me with that. And then we build a ticketing system. So now when you have a problem, you, you know, you push the button, it created a ticket and Rodney can work from tickets and he's not running around, you know, all over the place, right? We were able to, from data, see how many tickets are coming from password changes, how many tickets are coming from this, how many tickets are coming from that. Create a solution to solve the problem so that it can be done by itself. A person can do it by themselves instead of Ronnie walking around doing it for everybody. So it was data, right? Mm -hmm. The accumulation of data that helped us run the organization way more efficiently we would um, monitor the calls and, and look at some of the challenges, like why people repeat, why they repeat calls, like why are they calling again? If we didn't solve the problem from the first call, 
then um, we need to really come up with a fix so that they're not calling back over and over and over and over again. Then you see four, three or four operators that would actually have the fix. And if everybody knew that information, it would be a fix. Yeah. So then I started uh, developing training curriculums. So I was doing that before I left, before I was married. Mm -hmm. And I put all that aside for love and marriage to bring up my beautiful babies. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I went back into the workforce after 12, 13 years, pick right back up with where I should have been in the very beginning with a six figure income. Come on. Come on. Because the knowledge never died. It's almost like when you get that kind of knowledge. Like who, who talking about their job and I was like, oh, let me show you how to handle that. Oh, <laughs> you do this. Let me show you how to. Oh, all you gotta do is let the the leader of this know. A leader. <laughs> and even with solving regular problems, like I would have people uh, having issues. Like I, I help people clean up their credit. I help people do a lot of things. Right, mm -hmm. having credit with problems with credit issues, or I made this payment here and, and the company's taking my money here and they draft my account here and all this stuff and they've tried to resolve it and they're not getting a resolve. I'm like, oh, let me show you how to resolve that. <laughs> and, you know, and give them the fix because the goal is we're not going to keep having repeat calls. I don't want to have five call conversations to fix one problem. Mm. So because I was kind of groomed in solving that problem, for a larger organization early on, I've taken that mentality in every job I've had since um, going from professional to that. Awesome. Okay, y'all. Let's put this all together because you all have gotten some, if you've been taking notes and if you didn't take notes, then you should have been. But we're going to give y'all some cliff notes of how to project manage your life. One thing I heard you say was, um, talking about how you made your schedule back in college at the times, uh, specifically working through the weekend. And you did it on purpose because you didn't want to be distracted by, you know, oh, girl, come to this party, come to that party, you know, where everybody else was kicking it. You wanted to be able to be focused. Yeah. So one thing you all can do to project manage your life is to focus what are some things in your life that are distractions that are stealing your energy away from making money, being more productive? <laughs> yes. uh, what other, let's give them, let's see, let me pick something else that you said that was key. The whole thing about your gifts, there's so many things that we're just naturally good at. And we do it on autopilot, just not even thinking about it because it comes naturally to us. Make a list, get a little post-it pad, make a list, jot those things down, pray over that list mm -hmm. because there's money in there somewhere. God doesn't yeah, give us mm -hmm. gifts and talents just to be doing something. <laughs> there's there's Mula in it. And I was having this conversation with um, my girls because one mm -hmm. of the things that I was telling them, I had a mentality and and this was just me. My mom didn't say it, but it was just me. I feel like when you get to a certain point in life, you're on your own. Yeah. Not on your own as if no people or human is there. 
but you really have to take responsibility for your life. And I've always had that knack to help. And I don't like to see people who are close to me really suffering and hurting. Yeah. So I remember my parents in a in an intense moment about two hundred dollars. You know, I'm the fly on the wall, and I hear them going in. And they, you know, they weren't fighting, fighting, but it was to to us, it was fighting because they yeah. weren't like that. Yeah. Over two hundred bucks, and I wanted to break that up. So I said, Daddy, you take me to go get a job. I was 12 years old. <laughs> See, he made me want to work. You know, so that's kind of how that went, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to work. So we left, and there was a McDonald's across the street from uh, from this location where I ended up working for real. But we went to the McDonald's. And I'm, I'm tall for my age, you know, and I'm very, uh, when I was young, I was very articulate. I knew it. You can tell me I knew stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in there and I didn't know there was an age limit with how, you know, but you being, able, I was 14. I'm sorry. I said I was 12, I was 14. Um, an age limit, you had to be 16 okay. to work at the, at the McDonald's. But across the street, it was this um, African-American owned print shop. The lady had the Afro with the pig. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, and there was the picture on the outside and stuff. And I figured that's a personal business owner. They should hire me. You know, so I go in there and you could just hear the typewriters going. You could just hear all the noise, the copy machines. And um, I said, um, I'm looking for a job. I would like to know if you would hire me. And the lady was like, I'm busy. <laughs> like, look, girl. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. She was like, look, girl, I am so busy. I don't have time to train nobody. And and she was overwhelmed. Every I think every church in the area had her doing a church program. She was doing a lot of stuff for the school. And she was at little it it, 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 it was like a Kinko's. Okay. Right there, right? Coming out, and this person walks in, they have on a roll, rollers, coffee all over their clothes, like pizza food. It's, it's just she's a hysterical mess. And she's like, please, I need you to type my my thesis. This is how I end up typing thesis. Okay. And like my thesis. Um, my, her her roommate and the roommate's boyfriend, the roommate and her boyfriend had gotten into a fight. She had been working on her thesis all night, all day, and she had to defend it that night at six. And they had gotten to this fight, and they got food, and that's why the food, her dirt. I mean, and she literally left her uh, apartment in a robe and some slippers <laughs> with rollers in her head. Wow. She was distraught. You could tell she probably had not slept. Wow. And she was asking for, you know, for this lady who owned that business to take mm-hmm. her stuff and fix it for her, like type it for me, you know, get it ready. And the lady had just told me she was busy. She wasn't taking new work. I mean, people were calling. You could hear denying folk over the phone. Yeah. And I told her, I said, I'll type your thesis. Hmm. Like, because the lady told her no, and I could just see the hopelessness. I said, I'll type it for you. And she was like, <laughs> you work here? I said, no, but I know how to type. I promise you, I know how to type. I type real fast. You know, I'm telling this lady, you're like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like begging for her to let me type. I said, I type real fast. She say, I- I'll pay anything. She said, how much you charge? I say, $200. She gave me two crisp $100 bills. I never seen a $100 bill before in my life. And I said, okay, let me go ask my dad. 
So I walk outside with her because she's, you know, outside. I'm like, I have to go. I have to go ask my dad. Yeah. And I said, Daddy, is this real? And my dad's like, where you get that from? <laughs> and I said, this lady right here, she want me to type a thesis. And my dad was like, type a what? You know, so he don't know. Yeah, because my parents were older. He's like, so I gave him the $200 and I said, Daddy, please, can I stay? Can I stay? I asked the lady who, who owned the place if she she had like four empty typewriters. You know, nobody was using them. They were sitting along the wall. Yeah. I said, can I use one of your typewriters? That woman put her hands on my head, wipe it down on. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, you can use it. So I'm getting ready to, you know, I'm setting up. And so now I'm about to show off. I'm setting up. And a girl um, says it needed to be in the AP something format. And I said, you have an encyclopedia? So, Because the woman is like in awe looking at me. She said, how did you say you're right? I said, I'm 14. And she was, not, yeah, I was 14. I think I was 12, to be honest. I really think I was 12. Because mm-hmm. she was blown away. And um, she got her encyclopedia so I could look up, you know, how to do it. Yeah. And I started setting up the typewriter because I used yeah. to read about it. Start setting up the typewriter and stuff and, you know, getting the font right. And really? the, it was, it was you know, I was used to the one with the carriage return that you had to slide. Because mm-hmm. that was automatic. <laughs> and I never had an automatic typewriter before. So when I touched the keys, barely, it was, it was just fast. And I already typed fast on the manual typewriter. I started showing off. I'm like, I was like, ma'am, oh, you said something. You know, just... <laughs> I had just made $200. Right. My parents were not going to be fussing anymore, right? Mm-hmm. As I'm typing, and the, and the lady is, she felt confident that I knew what I was doing, the, the woman that paid me. So she yeah. she was like, you're such a lifesaver. The woman gave me a hug. She was like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, you're this food on me. <laughs> <laughs> so she left. She said, I'm going to go shower. I'm going to come back. Thank you so much. You know, at the rate you're going, you're probably going to be finished really soon. I think it took me like three hours to type all of that stuff. It was over 100 and some pages. Wow. Um, when she, as she was coming back, I was putting paper clips on the pages. Yeah. Some of the stuff wasn't making sense. I'm reading it as I'm going. I'm like, I don't know if she meant this to say this, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, And that was the other thing. I used to love English. So I used to love correcting sentences. Not, so I'm just going, going, going. But I put paper clips on it and I asked her, I said, is this a dialect that you were trying to do or is this the right thing? And she goes, oh no, this is wrong. It shouldn't be. She said, I'm so sorry. She's, and I told her, I said, yeah, I figured it was wrong. And I asked her, is, you know, would this sound better? And she, so the lady who owned the place is mm. overhearing me and she is blown away. Like, I can't believe <laughs> I just fired somebody that I didn't hire. Right. And you know, so I ended up getting a job there mm. because she was just blown away at how well I knew stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And she said, You edit too? I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, Well, how much you charge for editing? I said, $200. So she gave me another $100 bill and $250 bill. I made four hundred dollars. Wow! In four hours, at a young age. Yeah. And one of my one of my confessions is every for every dollar I spend, ten dollars come in. Hmm. Every dollar I spend, ten dollars come in, and I will always pray for God to give me wisdom on how to how to get wealth. Mm-hmm. It works. Hmm. 
So a lot of people, instead of being frustrated, because I had times when I would be frustrated about money because I'm bombarded with what was going on. Yeah. Then I had to go back to the place where I belong. <laughs> you start realizing, you know what, this ain't working. Yeah. So you start going there. And I'm telling you, when I say God shows up and shows out every time, mm. we have not because we yes. ask not. Amen. Fussing about it is not asking about it, especially if you're not going to the all-seeing, all-knowing, mm-hmm. earth is yours and the fullness there. Like that's not something just to say, just to say it. Mm-hmm. Because whatever we say, we create. Mm-hmm. And that's real talk, right? So why not create something amazing? Why not create something beautiful? Why not create? You know what? My family is wealthy, prosperous, and rich. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna be rich sitting here. I remember. Cause, you know, I couldn't work for a long time. I remember telling my husband, when I get a job, I'm making six figures. So while we sit up here trying to struggle, there's no such thing as trying to struggle for me. I'm just waiting. When you when you release me to do it, six figures. I started in July. I made half six figures in three months. Wow. Versus, you know what? That was the most I had made working. I worked years. Like, you know, you work a whole year mm-hmm. and you look at what you made at <laughs> the end of the year. I made in three months what I normally, the, at the top of my pay, made in a year. Mm-hmm. The next year, quadruple that. The next year, double that, quadruple. So one of the things that I tell people all the time, if you want to make a certain amount of money, you need to know, you need to, you need to curate your skills. You need to know what you can do. You need to know that you know that you know what you can do. And then you need to write down, make sure that those numbers make sense. Make sure that you know how much you need to make to take care of your household and have some left over. Um, because some people just say, I want to make six figures. Mm-hmm. But you know, six figures go all kinds of ways. <laughs> you yeah, bunch of in front. You know? <laughs> So you need to know what that number is. You yeah. need to write the vision and make it plain for those mm-hmm. who see it and run with it. But you need to write it just for yourself. You need to be comfortable asking for what you want. A lot of I've seen people write down and say how much money they want to make. Go on a job interview. And when they ask you, so what's your desired salary? And they'll, they'll lowball their number. Mm-hmm. They won't even put the number that they said because you're not comfortable doing it. That's why I say write it down, make it plain, start yeah. speaking. I decree and declare that I'm a six figure earner, that I make, you know, $10,000 a month. I make 30000 whatever that number is that you want. Yeah. You start doing it. I have testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have done that. Yeah. And within three months, God shifted there and higher financial perspective Hmm. and sometimes the how don't matter you just got to have faith that you can do it and that god will do it for you and through you so i know i said a lot i I got all off that (laughs) all off topic (laughs) that is amazing y'all look we can pass the offering bucket now (laughs) I can go ahead and say a benediction. That was amazing. You guys see why I love talking? Cousin, man, we got to have you 
on regular segments. Free game. Regular segments. Okay. <laughs> okay, because you are I'm already decreeing. This is gonna get a million views. People are gonna be going out of their way trying to see this video. Sponsorship gonna be like, look, <laughs> I receive it. Yes, ma'am. It's blessed. Because there are a lot of people who feel like church people are just church people. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I didn't like is making God look bad. Come on. Yes. You know, how we wealthy, prosperous, and rich and serve the most high and broke. Yeah. They ain't go together. Or manipulating people. <laughs> Let me talk about that. You know, I've been around strangers. Some of day. When you have a manipulative spirit, meaning there are people who I've met that speak the cliche but don't believe it. Mm. Yeah. And they try to manipulate people into sewing into their life. Ah, tell the truth, baby devil, right? You know what I'm talking about. They be like, Oh, do you like verses? Praise God. Do you like amen? I love me a good, you know, <laughs> what's that? What you call that stuff? Um Vain, fake stuff. Yeah. What sense it make to have a purse when you don't even have money? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I've met people that do that because they see you with something and they want to keep complimenting you on it to think you're going to sew it in their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much sewing do you do? You do more dry begging than sewing. See. I call it dry begging. So... <laughs> I'm going to use that. Dry begging. Yes. Dry begging. Really? Mm -hmm. Um, But you know what? I like you have the anointing of influence. You should be selling something. Mm -hmm. There are people that can sell. Like they don't even realize. You want to make money? You can sell. There are products and services out there that need a spokesperson, that need somebody that loves it, brings value to it, and can show everybody else a Present it to somebody else that make them want it. That's when you need to use that gift. (laughs) (laughs) And watch God show up and show out for you because you get all the purses you want when you do that. So it's one of those things where you look for uh, you look for ways to be a blessing to people. Mm -hmm. But you also look for you want people. God want people to be authentic. Like you you have to show up. You can't expect that you're in tight this think about well i don't know your kids are probably not at this age yet but some kids go into what i call entitlement Mm. my jesus ain't your jesus until (laughs) you decide to you know have that personal relationship with god now you know our young kids will benefit from it or you're not entitled like steve harvey said to this is my money (laughs) this is this is my gift this is my talent so Oftentimes, people are not satisfied with what God gave them. Yeah. They're looking at Nakia with the nice background and the pretty hair and the wonderful husband and, and the kids and and feel like they're entitled to the same thing because they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. But they've never asked God for anything for their for themselves, for their purpose and, and the plans that he has for you. Yeah. So that's the main thing that I encourage mothers to do. You mm-hmm. have to do that for yourself so you can be available to your kids. Here's a true sign that you're out of alignment with who you are. 
Y'all got y'all pens ready? <laughs> Jot it down. Here we go. A true sign as a mother, as a parent, as a as a vessel that bring children into the world. When you're angry, when you're mad, when you're frustrated, and you feel unfairness in life because you have kids, Ooh. and you feel like they're the reason you're not doing life, hmm. you're out of alignment. Because number one, they didn't ask to be here. Number two, God is not a God of mistakes. He even causes our mistakes to prosper. So if he brought you to it, if he gave you the opportunity and, and gave you the privilege to bring a child into this world, he will also give the honor and, and the grace for you to be able to do that and. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, to do that and. And it, it doesn't have to be either or. Mm-hmm. And when it's either or and you're decision is to to do child but you're frustrated about it mm-hmm. you it. and your kids feel that yeah they really do i would be around so many homeschool parents who were depressed mm-hmm. like i could tell you depressed you over here homeschooling and you don't even like it like you're literally mad about doing the homeschooling thing and then you know, and, and when some of those around another adult, you're like, oh my god, a breath of fresh air. I'm <laughs> another human being. This little midget, you know, <laughs> referring to their kids with these names and stuff. They're like, oh, they go trouble. Like, no, 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 no. We don't call our kids trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want that. No, no. Because life and death is in a power to tongue. Yeah. My my kids would when I decided to do project management. My children were my guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Remember that TV show is be smarter than a fifth grader? Yes. If I could teach this to a fifth grader, I could teach any adult. Mm-hmm. I would sit them down. They were my little audience. And I would be <laughs> explaining stuff. And if they looking at me like a deer in headlights, and I was like, that don't make sense. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have to come up with ways to make it fun. Mm-hmm. And make it make sense. Like literally make it make sense. Okay. I remember I was teaching a concept work breakdown structure. So work breakdown structure is a hierarchical chart, how you take something and you break it down to its lowest point. And so my son was like, I got it. Like the least common denominator. He took a number and he was like 72. And then he said, you know, you do the little branch stuff. We got it. We did stuff like that when we were younger. Right? How about I'm in class? Just like the least common denominator. And I wrote it down. People like, oh. I got it. <laughs> and I'd be like, all right, PJ, so what you think about, about this? And he would be like, oh, that makes sense. And is that like, you know, when you go to the sandbox, because I was talking about drawing inferences, right? Mm-hmm. He said, so is that like you saying uh, sandbox and and sandals and, and sun? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I use that in all my class. I said, you know, like if I have you highlight something yellow and you read this paragraph, you have to draw inferences. For instance, if I say sandbox, water, sun, I use a lot of examples that he gave me to the point, you know, when they would get out of school, sometimes they would sit in the class with me. Like if I had to bring them home, mm-hmm. I didn't separate what I did. My, my open book, they knew what I was doing, right? My son started teaching my classes. I had students getting their project management certification. My son taught the class. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> I love it. He got his Six Sigma certification. You know, so you. you don't have to make, oh, this is my thing over here. And this is your thing over there. Because there are a lot of people that's teaching their kids what things people think is complicated. If something this laborious for an adult is like stressful, but if you had learned it at a young age where your mind is relaxed mm -hmm. and darkness and the secrets of life is no longer hidden from you and somebody, you know, can can guide you in the right path, that is life changing. Yes. Literally life solving is life changing. The ability to solve a problem. And that's one thing I even teach the kids like that. So how are you going to solve that? Like what fixes it the yeah. first time? <laughs> you know, and, and we have those conversations. I mean, those are life lessons, even though I use it corporately. It's a God thing. Yeah. You know, so let me tell you, OK, yeah. let's help some people. That's gonna wanna after they hear all of this and they had their good pen taking notes and they wanna book you. How can they book you to speak, to project manage something for conferences? I don't know, like this what this lady is talking about. I need her to come tell this to my audience. I need her. What can they do? Where can they find you? So they can find me on my website. ProjectQueenMag.com. Okay. Um, I have a uh, I have a phone number that they could text. Let me give you my uh, they could text 404-737-4133. Okay. And they could type coach me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I have several programs. So I teach project management boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, to sign up for the boot camp, you can go to my Instagram page. I'm Project Queen Mag basically everywhere. Okay. Um, project Queen Mag on Twitter, Project Queen Mag, Instagram, link uh LinkedIn on myself, I'm Magdalene Harvey. Mm -hmm. Um and if you go on to my Instagram page, that'll also get you to my class, uh public class schedule. But that's bit.ly slash Project Queen 2023. Okay. That's the upcoming uh, schedule of classes. I do one class a month virtually. So you can be anywhere now. Okay. And take the class and you will get a live instructor and you have to be ready to go. So we do four years of college in four days. It's intensive. Oof. <laughs> but y'all hear her it's, it'll be fun it probably won't even feel like it was that long when she get done teaching so yeah. exactly exactly and i'm gonna bring back the uh the calls that i used to do midday um i like to do that conference call approach where people can sort of call in and and mm -hmm. ask their questions i'm dealing with this at work how do i deal with it kind of thing gotcha um i don't want to know the company you work for because that indicates you i don't want to know your name just give the situation. Okay. And um, I help you navigate through that. I help a lot of people deal with their isms and to show up in spite of the isms. Okay. Because there's nothing you really could do about the isms a lot of times, but you need to have the courage to speak truth to power. But in order to do that, you have to be productive. Yeah. Like you need to know what you're doing. You can't 
tell people they wrong when you don't know anything. <laughs> and there are people out there that that do this is unfair, this isn't right. Well, what's fair and what's right? And they don't know what's fair and what's right. So it's so kind of like a dear Abby, but for like you know, when they have the Dear Abby column, you would have the call line for people just to have real life scenarios like, hey, what do I do? Yeah, run that back. That sounds like that, girl. Yes. And uh, workplace situation. So that'll be on my Instagram once I um, determine the best way to do Because, you know, I could do it on Facebook. I could do it on LinkedIn and stuff like that. But people's handles show up. Oh, so there's no anonymity, you know, it's not anima, uh, anonymous. Yeah. Listen to my words there. Um, and I like for it to be anonymous so it doesn't indicate the company. Yeah. I'm not trying to handle about it. <laughs> <laughs> People so happy today. Oh Girl, God. that's true. So, um, and uh, I want them to feel safe to talk about the situation. There's a lot of, um, so what's coming about now, especially since that, um, the foot on the neck thing, um, there's a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion yeah. um, roles, but they don't know the scenarios. Mm-hmm. They don't know the scenarios because a lot of people aren't just comfortable coming out. The ones that we hear about are really extreme yeah. and they're the ones that kind of leak out because somebody had the camera during the time. Mm-hmm. But what about those where there are people right now with mental issues and mental problems because they were under so much stress and pressure and they just did not know how to handle it. They thought they had to take it because if I'm getting paid a certain amount of money and this is my livelihood, which that shouldn't be your source, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, But if that's my livelihood, I tolerate to an extent um, the undermining, the demeaning, and yeah. and you find yourself in a position where you let it happen so much mm-hmm. that you can't come from under it. Yeah. I'm a firm believer: if you can't change the situation, remove yourself um, and go in peace. <laughs> and sometimes people have a hard time doing that. So what I like to do is help you position yourself where you can leave. Yeah, you have the credentials that you need. And you could speak to those credentials. So I like to help people do stuff like that. If y'all don't follow this woman on everything she got, <laughs> girl, thank you so much. I got to give you another hand. Follow her on everything she got. Oh, praise God. Look, give God all the glory, honey. <laughs> because it's so real. You know, it's one of those things where it, when when he's real to you and when this is real to you, it really works. It yep. It works. Like there's I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a living proof that it actually works. Amen. Well, y'all, we gotta get off of here. But don't worry, I'm gonna bring her back at some point. I don't know <laughs> if it's gonna be this season or a season three or something. We're gonna figure out after we get up the rest of our schedule set for these episodes. Um, Meg, you got to write some books. I love what I love the victorious living. Victorious living solution. Just the the name in itself. Yes, speaks life. So I only pray that I could bring as much value to this as you know you intended for it to be. Well, I just want to commend you. 
um, for for stepping out and doing it. So many people say it, mm-hmm. but they don't do it. And done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. I love that. <laughs> I, it was a process, but God helped us get it together and we got it out. And ma'am, you have done more than add value. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so I'm much. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Well, you all, that is it for this episode, Managing Life with the Project Queen. I hope that this has blessed you. Well, I know that it has as much as it has blessed me. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. Keep living victoriously. Bye, everybody. Bye.